Coming to you from our opulent and luxurious 4x8 refurbished broom closet at the National Headquarters in Indianapolis. With duct tape, studio lights, and a mic that you barely can hear, we hope to entertain and educate you. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. Oh, boy. We have escaped the broom closet. We are now in the West Hollywood bunker. My normal co-hosts are not here. Mark Seavey, we will definitely miss the beard. And Ashley Gorbuja Maldonado. And please, if you're out there, don't tell her that I know how to say her name. That's one of the things I like to make fun of her about. So today we're going to do things a little bit differently. As you can see, it's not just me. And if you're listening, but before we get into that, if you're listening, I just want to say thank you for being with us on this journey. And if you're watching us on YouTube, seeing these faces, you're welcome. Today we do have a special guest. His name is Scott Deluzio. Did I say that correctly? You got it. He he is his own podcast host and an Army veteran. His podcast is driveonpodcast.com. And because I don't know Scott very well, but I know he's an expert on Scott, I'm going to let him introduce himself and his show. <laughs> I try to be anyways. Um, yeah, thank you for having me on uh, on the show. And uh, um, yeah, my, my podcast, Drive On Podcast, um, is a podcast that I started a about a year ago, um, actually looking at the date, it's a year ago to the day um, that I started the podcast. And it really came from me just getting fed up with hearing about uh, the, you know, the 22 a day, the veteran suicides, all the, the homeless veterans, all the other issues that go on with uh, the veteran community. And me just thinking to myself that there has to be something else out there. there. There has to be, you know, people are doing things, but it just doesn't seem like it's enough. And and the things that people are doing, uh, maybe the veterans that are struggling just don't know about these resources. So my podcast uh, exists really to uh, get the, the word out about these resources, um, connect uh, current and prior service uh, military uh, members um, and, and civilians uh, together to discuss the uh, the issues that they're going through, uh, the life experiences that they've had, their the struggles through the military, um, all the emotional uh, stuff that comes with it, um, to, to give hope and strength to the, the military community, um, whether it's the families, the veterans, uh, the actively serving uh, military members, um, you know, we try to try to help them all out uh, in, in whatever way I can. And I, I I figured a podcast was a great way to reach a whole bunch of people. So that's, that's where that came from. So, well, you know, we, we agree with uh, starting a podcast being a great idea. Just, you know, we're on the same <laughs> yeah, page It seems there. that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how I, I listened to your anniversary uh, episode and yeah. it's, so it, it is right about a year, right? And it how is, often yeah. are you doing these? Yeah, so I've been putting out an episode uh, once a week uh, for the for the last year. The first week, I think I put out three episodes, uh, just because that was what I was told is the right thing to do when you start a podcast. So I, I did that, but uh, I've been putting them out once a week uh, ever since then. Um, the when I first started, I had no idea what I was doing as far as podcasting. I still don't really have an idea, but um, uh, you know, I um, uh, I, I actually kept 
it all pretty much to myself. My wife knew uh, that I was doing the podcast, but I didn't really tell anyone about it at the time because I thought I was going to probably screw something up and I was going to look like a jerk and I didn't want that to happen. So I wanted to get, you know, at least half a dozen or so episodes under my belt before I started telling other people about it and, and getting it out there. So it was a good month or so, month and a half maybe before I, I actually started telling friends and family and other people like that, that I was doing a podcast. Um, but once when I did, I started reaching out to some, some of my old friends, uh, you know, from the army and, uh, you know, asking them to share their stories, other people that I knew just through business and stuff that I, I've, I've met and they, they've had interesting stories. Um, I've, I've reached out to them and, and started recording these, these interviews, kind of like what we're doing right now, uh, you know, where, where you have a guest and you're, you're chatting back and forth with them and, uh, talking about their struggles and what they did, uh, more importantly to overcome those struggles, how they got out of there. Um, and, and so that's kind of where, uh, where I've gone with it. So. Now I do have I do I'm doing math in my head and I'm a Marine so it's gonna I might make some funny faces doing math but you need you a crayon that, to do the math right <laughs> a crayon and a whiteboard instead of my bunker uh, you said your only your wife knew but you do interviews so interestingly how did you do your first interview uh, yeah so uh, the first few episodes were just me solo rambling about whatever topics I happen to have on top of mind. Um, but my wife was actually the first person I interviewed. Um, I figured that was uh, a nice and easy, low, low stress uh, way to, to do it because she's put up with my crap for enough years um, that she could put up with it for, you know, a half hour uh, of us chatting with each other. Um, and so, uh, you know, her and I, we just sat down and we, we talked about her experience as a military spouse. Uh, when I was deployed to Afghanistan, we had just had her first son. Um, and, and so she, she was able to talk about her experience with, uh, you know, being a, a mother who was at home with a son, a new mother at home with a son, trying to figure out how to be uh, a mother uh, and also figure out how to be a military spouse to a deployed soldier who, um, you know, you're not going to be able to just pick up the phone and talk to all the time because that just doesn't work out that way, you know, when you're deployed. So, so that's what we talked about in that, that episode. Um, and then, then I just started getting more and more people uh, who were reaching out to me and, and I reached out to them and, and we started spreading the word that way. Well, I'm excited to do an interview with you on your show, but yeah. right now, I hope, are you ready to take on the Tango Alpha Lima uh, format? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, wow. All right, here we go. Topic one. Space Force versus Space Force. The Hollywood Reporter reports that Netflix unfurled its star-studded comedy May 29th and is currently outmaneuvering the U.S. government to secure trademark rights globally to the armed services name. Now, the military.com article, it also tells us that the, the government has been involved in trademark infringement warnings and lawsuits in the past. Uh, a notable one is in 2017, they, uh, they, they had suit against the Golden Knights, the National Hockey League team, because that's the, their, para, uh, their parachute unit name and uh, eventually they came to a trademark coexistence agreement now i know you're you're into you're into uh, benefits and things like that but what is your take on the government and copyrights with entertainment you know I, i'm not entirely sure what the issue is here um it, it seems like 
in, in a way, it almost seems like clickbaity kind of title of, of the, the article because uh, it seems like someone might be making a big deal over nothing. I mean, there's been plenty of other TV shows uh, that have used military names in the past. There's JAG, NCIS, uh, MASH, you know, things like that. Um, they're not necessarily named after the... Uh, you know, after the Air Force or the Marine Corps or, or anything like that, but they're they're still using military-related names uh, in in the past. Um, and as far as trademarks go, um, it, it's not really like the registration of the trademark, um, but the actual use of the trademark that creates the rights and the the priority of, over others. So, you know, who's who's been using it uh, first? I'm not sure. Um, uh, and that that rule goes over the the ownership. Um, in, in terms of like the first to use, not the, necessarily the first to file. So it's not like a race to the, you know, to the office right. with your paperwork and stuff, you know, to, to file to be, that, that stuff, you know. There has to be harm in a lawsuit. I mean, there's exactly. no harm until it's used. But my thing, because I'm not a lawyer and uh, we don't have the beard CV here to guide us because <laughs> he is a lawyer. My thing is this. Why would Space Force care at all? Because... Space Force, the military Space Force, right. care about entertainment Space Force because I believe the entertainment Space Force is amazing PR for them and probably is encouraging some people to look into the military Space Force and to uh, have some interest in it. And in fact, uh, we always like to bring up the fact that so many Photoshop Steve Carell on the, on the official Space Force uh, they yeah. replace the replace their commander with his face, which maybe maybe that's what ticked them off. I don't know. I, don't I know. mean, it might be, but you know, if if you're if you're worried about you know other people using it in, in maybe private uh, citizens or private companies and, and things like that using it, as opposed to the military using it. I mean, President Trump uh, on his campaign website sells shirts and bumper stickers and hats that all say Space Force on them. So if it's if it's that big of a deal for some other uh, you know entity to be using it, then perhaps maybe the president shouldn't be using it on his campaign side either, well, I would you know well i would guess the i would guess the uh, netflix lawyers would bring that up if it if it if it came to get to court yeah i would i would think that they would at that point but you know um i'm, I'm not a lawyer either think, so we'll see and i don't think the american legion is going to draft a resolution on either side of this one no. so we are going to continue to be fans of both the tv show and the newest branch of the military, though I am waiting to meet my first Legionnaire from space. That's going to be like one of the happiest moments in my life. I'm telling you. All right. Are we ready? Or do you have so. any final thoughts on this or are we good? Are we well, I, th that? I think that that first Legionnaire from space, you know how usually there's, you know, challenge coins and things like that. Is it going to be like a moon rock as a challenge coin? Like what, what, what is that going to be? I'd be curious to see how that looks. Nessie, we have to have you back because you're thinking like I think. This is what <laughs> this is amazing right now. All right, but right now we're gonna go on. We're gonna go to topic two. Our protests changing the military. So we're still gonna be dealing with the military and society and how they interact with each other. Um, we have two stories. I'm not even gonna read from the stories because their titles kind of say it say say the story one the army is considering changing the names of some bases named after confederate leaders and the second is that the marine corps has banned 
all Confederate flag display on uh, bases and uh, Marine Corps property, including bumper stickers and uh, anything, anything on a Marine Corps base. Now, is this the United States military reacting to uh, a social kind of upheaval right now? Or is or what do we make of this? You know, in, in, in my opinion, um, I'm not generally one to encourage uh, emotional responses to things. I'd rather have some, some facts laid out and, and figure out things, uh, you know, based, based on uh, more, more concrete data as opposed to emotions. Um, and this sort of feels like it's a, a, an emotional uh, response to what's going on in the world. Not, not to um, make light of anything that, that's going on in the world because it's very serious issues. Um, but, but just a few months ago, at the end of February of this year, um, Task and Purpose, uh, the, the publication, reported that uh, an Army spokesperson told them that we have no plans to rename any street or installation, including those named for Confederate generals. Um, and now just a little over three months later, uh, they're looking to rename those bases. So it seems to me like it's an emotional kind of a knee-jerk response to what's going on in the, in the world right now. So you're telling me three months is not like enough time to have an evolution of thought and a complete turn of course? You know, in, in 2020 terms, yes, it probably is. But, you know, in, in you know, normal society or normal, uh, you know, thinking, I, I think it's it's probably more of a response to what's going on, uh, you know, in the world. And it's, it's not so much, um, you know, based on any... Um, I don't know. It, it just seems like it's it's emotional. I mean, the, the, when they originally named those those bases on the streets or whatever uh, it was, um, it was done in the spirit of reconciliation. Uh, a lot of these were named uh, uh, shortly after the the U.S. entered World War One, which was not too long after the Civil War. It was only about fifty years or so after the the, the Civil War. Um, and the naming wasn't seen back then as uh, supporting a particular cause or or issue or ideology or anything like that. It was it was done to unify the country uh, and try to bring the the South and the North back together. And and by you know having a federal military installation named after a, a Confederate general, that was just one way of, of doing that to to kind of unify the, the country back together. And it's interesting that you talk about reconciliation because uh, I. I do remember in my history books uh, that the that the Confederate soldiers were eventually considered to be American veterans. That's correct. Is yeah. a, which is a unique thing in the world because I think if you if you go to other wars, let's say let's say uh, if the American Revolution had been lost by the colonies, I do not believe in any fiber of my being that George Washington would have a statue anywhere in London. No, or I don't either. I think he As a matter of fact, I still I think don't he would, think he has a statue in London. Right, probably not. Yeah. But uh, I, nothing in this world would be named after him. He would be considered a traitorous loser had he lost. So I think it's a very unique situation, and the reconciliation is the reason for for why it existed. Mm-hmm. I think the, the conversation that we're not going to have here because it's a long. It would be a long, very drawn out conversation. Is whether that uh, reconciliation effect has expired and that uh, new things have bubbled up and and maybe causing division again. So 
those are like competing there's 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 like competing theories on both sides and uh, it's going to be an interesting discussion and i'm sure we're all going to be paying attention i know that i will yeah and that's not to say that there aren't uh, you know, more recent heroes that are deserving of, of having their name on, on any of these military installations. Um, you know, but, you know, at, at the, the price of, you know, uh, erasing the, the history almost, uh, you know, I don't know if that's really even the right way to, to put it, but, um, you know, it, is that the right thing to do? Or are there other, you know, maybe a new Navy ship that can carry some of these, these people's names uh, or, or other new installations that might, might pop up over time. Uh, you know, maybe that's the right way, way to, to go about doing it. But um, you know, I only have so many answers. I'm a, I'm a grunt. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. So. <laughs> I hear that every day from my co-host about being a Marine and they're both <laughs> army by the way. So they're cheering for you. right now okay so i don't know if you've i don't know if you know what's coming up next but it's super exciting okay it's something that it's uh, i'm on the edge of my seat yeah we go through we go through topics like this we'll probably spend a minute two minutes max on them and we appropriately call it rapid fire let's do it all right rapid fire number one the a-a-f-e-s and for those of you who don't know what that means that's the exchange on base uh, shoppers have generated $217 million for military communities in 2019 alone. Now, just to put this into context, in the last 10 years, the exchange has contributed $2.2 billion to morale, welfare, and recreation programs integral to Army and Air Force recruiting, re- readiness, and resiliency. Now, real quick, I shop the exchange. I've uh, it's amazing to me because they have very competitive prices to start with. Plus, you don't pay tax. Plus, it's free shipping. Plus, I get the Military Star uh, promotional thing. Plus, apparently, they're giving billions of dollars to the family that we're, <laughs> that we're all a part of. What are your thoughts? I don't see this as a bad thing at all. I mean, like, how could it be, right? It's it's supporting the military community. Um, you know, the, the shoppers are getting great benefits, tax-free, uh, you know, uh, great prices and things like that. Um, and especially, you said you shop online, so you're, you're shopping the the exchange online. Um, you know, this, this day and age when people are, you know, anxious about going out to the store and that type of thing, um, you know, shop online and, and get that shipped to you for free, you know, uh, Amazon does it for free, but Amazon's not donating $2 billion to uh, military communities, you know, right. uh, in the same way. So, you know, I, I, I personally haven't shopped at, uh, at the exchange since getting out. Um, I know. I, and I like after after hearing about this, I, I feel like I'm doing the entire military community a disservice. So I, I should uh, be getting back on that. Um, I didn't You're realize that, your... they, that they did that, you know. Well, you're doing yourself a disservice, sir. And I, know. I hope that you get there. And you do a show about benefits. I think this is an unknown benefit that actually on the online version, all U.S. vets under honorable scenarios are eligible to shop here. Now, in person in the last year, uh, they've added anybody with a VA rating to the, the original list of like Purple Heart, Retired, yeah. Medal of Honor. Um so there's the exchange is opening up a lot more, but I think that the online exchange is a great benefit that all veterans should know about. Definitely. All right. 
We're going to go to rapid fire number two. Legion holding online workshops for job seekers. Now, just so you know, the, the American Legion's Veterans Education and Employment Division is sponsoring two upcoming online workshops. The first one's going to be on uh, June 16th, depending on when you watch this. It, that may have been in the past, but it's going to be at 11 a.m. And there's also on the 30th, there's going to be a workshop on using LinkedIn for network and jobs uh, seeking. That's going to be on June 30th, like I said, at 12:30, and there will be a link in the show notes. But just before we talk about it, just so people know, if you go to legion.org/careers, you can get all sorts of career information just like this, maybe and some resources for job hunting and things of that nature. But back to the online system. I'm going to tell you when I joined the American Legion, I thought of it as this kind of old uh behind the times kind of thing that you know do I really want to spend my time there but I'm telling you they are we are coming up and we have we're having online training workshops now I've never would have I never would have imagined that I thought they would be the last organization on earth to do that <laughs> right so what do you have any thoughts on that yeah, I, I think it's it's wonderful. And again, going back to the the situation that we're in now uh, these days, you're not going to have these workshops with you know 50, 60, 75 people or whatever in a in a hotel conference room or you know something like that, or even at, at a Legion Post or something uh, where people are going to come in and and have these types of workshops in person. It's just not not happening these days. Um, you know the way it might have a year ago. Um, and so having an online workshop, um, not only does it help you reach a bigger number of people, uh, because it's, it's online, it, it's not location specific, like you have to, you know, get in the car and drive to this place or get on a plane and fly to this place, you know, um, you can do it from anywhere. Um, you can even do it in a bunker if you want. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's just another, you know, great benefit that the, the Legion offers, uh, and, and maybe a, a lot of, a lot of people are just unaware of, of this type of thing. So, you know, having uh, having this type of thing uh, online, make it accessible to as many people as you can. I think that's great. Well, let's hope that they decide that we can do these things moving forward. I mean, I really love it. And uh, before I have to put pants on to get a job, why should I have to wear them to find a job? I know you don't even need pants these days. I mean, I, I saw a report of people, uh, the, the sales report on uh, some of the clothing stores, and it's like shirts are flying off the shelves, but pants are like lagging behind because people are just doing like Zoom or, you know, whatever chats for, for work. Like, what do you need pants for? Like, no one needs pants. I know if if, uh, if producer Holly wasn't on the line, I would show you I would stand up, but I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> um, all right. Are we ready? I think we so. Have... Let's do it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, we have rapid fire number three. Amid tensions with the U.S., Iran builds fake aircraft carrier <laughs> to attack. Okay, so now Iran has built a fake carrier that is floating off one of their coasts outside of a, a parking For lot. Now. where they, Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it, 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 it's pretty impressive. It has 16 mock-ups of fighter jets on the deck and uh it appears to be about uh, 200 meters long 50 meters wide 
unfortunately, a real, ne real Nemitz is over 300 meters long and 75 meters wide. So even with this test, they may be biting off more than they can chew. Do you uh, budget cuts. Think, <laughs> budget cuts. Do you think the American military needs to be concerned about this? Not at all. Um, here's why. So they did something like this about five years ago. Um, and if I mean, people who are listening to this probably are familiar with the crawl, walk, run uh, phase of training, right? It seems like they're still in that crawl phase. They're, 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 still, uh, they're still training against an unarmed floating boat, essentially. It's not going to shoot back at them the way our military ships are going to shoot back at them so they're going to go and they're going to train and of course they're going to they're going to shoot it and they're going to sink it and it's going to be this big spectacular event but they're not getting shot back at so it's not really that impressive to me i think it's really um really all just for for show honestly uh, i don't i don't see it as being this big spectacular thing that they're they're making it out to be I mean, I hope I hope that they know better. And I would give them a little bit of advice right now. I would say, if you want to take on the United States Navy, you don't build a fake ship. You, you have the technology and the funds to build a real one. Otherwise, right. you are going to lose every yeah. freaking time. There's, there's, they have no chance. If that's what they're... If that's what there is in their inventory and that that's what they're using, I don't I don't think they have a chance. Um, it, it, they're going to be wiped off the face of the planet if that's what they decide to to uh, you know do you know attacking our our navy. Yeah, I don't I don't think that I don't think that they're crazy enough to do that because, like you said, it will be the end. Just like we are coming up to the end of this. <laughs> Nice podcast. transition there. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, people don't know because time is time is a fluid thing. But when we finish this, going right into uh, interviewing uh, with you on your show, is there anything that we should tell our listeners to look forward to so that they follow along and go over to Drive On and and yeah. listen to well, us? Well, we're going to be yeah yeah we're going to be talking about. You, we're you're going to be the star of the show. We're going to be talking about you, your background, what you did, how you got into, uh, uh, you know, into the involved with the American Legion and and things that you've done uh, along the way. And so you're going to be the star of the show. So my um, my mother will definitely be tuning in then. So I will have two <laughs> listeners on this one. Then that will be amazing. <laughs> All right. I want to thank everybody out there for tuning into this extra special edition of the Tango Alpha Lima podcast. It was a great time with uh, Scott here. And please, please, please tune in to his podcast, Drive On Podcast. And the website is driveonpodcast.com. Am I right? It is. Yeah. Yep. So get yourselves over to driveonpodcastnow.com. And right after you subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to that podcast. This is... Jeff Daly, and in absentia for Ashley Gorbuja Maldonado and Mark CV, this has been the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. <laughs>